Hello, Duck fans! Welcome to a Friday edition of the show. That's right. The weekend is almost upon us. The week is almost done. I'd like to start out by thanking the frontline workers out there, those of you in the healthcare facilities and the hospitals, keeping people alive and well. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I also appreciate those of you who are keeping the grocery shelves stocked and manning cash registers and keeping the economy running while the rest of us are stuck at home. Really appreciate that. And I always appreciate those of you who are tuning in, listening, and enjoying the show. Today we got a little bit of hashtags know your ducks. We're joined by James Voss from jamesvoss.net. We're going to be finishing up the offensive line. And next week we got a new schedule. It's uh, it's going to be what if week on Locked On. And uh, I want to hear suggestions on possible what if scenarios. You know, what if uh, there were no coronavirus or what if Chip Kelly stayed at Oregon or what if Justin Herbert had decided to play baseball instead? Uh, we will be joined by Kevin McCormick on Monday for McCormick Mondays to dive into that. Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be basketball. Wednesdays and Fridays will be uh, position breakdowns with James Voss from jamesvoss.net. But for now, let's switch it on. You have too much to give to stay silent. That's what he said. That's what he believed. That's what he lived. The American in front, almost a cult in the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. Now wait a minute. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. Welcome to Locked on Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball. I'm your host, Jordan Long. You can always find me on Twitter at the Guy. Go ahead and give me a follow, and you can follow the show at Locked on Ducks. Send in questions and comments for our listener spotlight segments with the hashtags AskLodPod, especially for next week. I'm looking for ideas for our what-if week, so send, on, send those suggestions on in, and we'll take care of you and have a good what-if historical counterfactuals uh, subject matter for next week. Do click subscribe and follow on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. Subscribe for you know Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify. And if you are using Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave five out of five stars. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, it's an excellent way to support the show. Uh, the, the more five out of five stars reviews and the, 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 the higher that the show it, it becomes searchable. Uh, anyway, I also really appreciate uh, reviews, show reviews. Uh, I do want to feature them in our listener spotlight, so go ahead and send that in. Remember that this episode of Locked on Ducks and every episode in the month of May is brought to you by Built Bar. Check them out at BuiltBar.com and get $10 off your first box with the promo code Locked On. Now, on to the action. I'm with James Voss of jamesvoss.net, writer and blogger extraordinaire, contributor to Otzen Zoo and Blazer's Edge. You can find him on Twitter at Who's the Voss. How you doing, James? Doing wonderful. Happy Friday, Jordan. It is a happy Friday in the cold open. I mentioned the weekend is here, and I am grateful for it. We got a little sunshine uh, where we're at. Uh, I hope the same can be said for the listeners out there. I just want to get right to it. We're discussing the offensive line, and we're going to wrap up the left guard position, which is where we left off on yesterday's show. We're talking about Sam Putasi uh, at left guard. And remember that this is uh, Rob Mosley's 
depth chart on godux.com and I, I, I'm basing this list on that, but of course there's going to be a lot of flux and a lot of change, and we're going to talk about that as we go along. But Sam, six foot four, 295 pounds, three-star recruit from Desert Pines High School in Las Vegas. He's the number six player in Nevada and the 83rd ranked guard overall in the nation and had offers from Washington State, but enrolled in the University of Oregon in the summer of 2016, where he redshirted that year. And then as a redshirt freshman in 2017, took uh, six snaps versus Oregon State. And as a sophomore, played in five games. And then in last season, as a junior, played in three games. Solid backup, experience to be counted. You know, we, we talked about this yesterday with the COVID offseason. They're going to be needing players who not only have experience, but can be counted on to be the kind of player who maintains that experience, right? Who knows how to work out on their own during the offseason. He did get first team reps at right guard during spring practices, four or five spring practices that they did have. Yeah. And uh, we mentioned while talking about this left guard position uh, that uh, the JC transfer Amavailalu will probably be in front of Sam. uh, Mm -hmm. And and, and that that might be surprising to someone uh, who just looks at looks at it uh, from the start and says, oh, Sam's a senior. He's been with the program for so long. Uh, but this JC transfer might be ahead of him. And I think that's that's probably right. And that's the way that uh, Godux has it listed. We talked about Cam McCormick and his experience throughout the program and especially the kind of adversity he faced in 2016 when he was one of the players hospitalized. Sam is one of the other three players that was hospitalized and is actually involved in a lawsuit uh, with Willie Taggart and the U of O uh, that claimed negligence during a workout uh, that led to that hospitalization. And we don't have to go through all the details, but it's just something to keep in mind that this man of Oregon that has been with the program for so long, through so much, faced uh, injury, adversity, serious hospitalization, has has put his trust back in Mario Cristobal as an offensive lineman to a coach who's an offensive lineman at heart has very much put his trust in this new coaching staff, this program, uh, and, and has stuck it out. Whether or not we see him a bunch on the field, uh, that, that kind of dedication to the program is definitely uh, something to be said and something to recognize. It may be a political issue that I don't want to get too deep into, but his commitment to the team, to Cristobal and his loyalty is perhaps should be seen as a testament to the sincerity of uh, the lawsuit. And, and so mm-hmm. I just kind of want to add, add that. Uh, so, so that wraps up the left guard position and just moving on down the line, we're going to move to the center position. I think it's really important. And we did talk about this yesterday. These are some big shoes to fill. And I find it interesting that there's nothing but local boys on my list here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I think we're going to see some cross training. I think we're going to, well, COVID-19 off season is going to have something to say about that. But I just think it's really interesting that there's a lot of local boys. Let's start it off with Alex Forsyth, uh, junior, six foot four, 300 pounds. Now that's up from six foot three and 285. I do want to say that 24-7's Ruth Robbins has him at 6'5", 310. So build height versus shoot height. So we're we're going to go with GoDucks.com and say 6'4", 300 pounds. Crew from West Lynn, when he was, that's in Oregon for all the uninitiated out there, when he was considering Washington and asked if he was concerned about what the locals might think, he said, I'm a person who doesn't care what people think or say. I don't listen to outside noise. I actually 
really like that answer. He has a chip on the shoulder mentality, played with it through high school, and has brought that to the Ducks. We'll talk about that in a second. No matter how big, no matter how tough, he said he's going to work harder than anyone. And that lunch pail work ethic is an asset. And I think that's something Cristobal really favors and, and prizes in his offensive lineman, right? With, uh, I'm going to talk about Shane Lemieux uh, in, in a little bit, but uh, that's that lunch pail work ethic. And I, and I love that chip on the shoulder mentality. He did have offers from Vanderbilt, Arizona, ASU, USC, Washington, Wazoo, OSU, Boise State, Michigan, and others, right? Enrolled at uh, the University of Oregon in July of 2017, redshirted that year. And then in 2018, as redshirt freshman, he played in five games at uh, left guard, right guard, and right tackle. You know, Ryan Walk was actually slated to practice at center at the beginning of spring practices, but uh, he had missed the first couple of practices, and it was Alex Forsyth who snapped the ball to Tyler Shuck. There's no other way to put on 40 pounds of muscle than by eating Built Bars. I mean, these things taste like candy bars, right? But they're full of protein, actually healthy, and low in calories relative to their flavor. Like, I never tasted anything this good that was low, so low in calories. I give it to my 10-year-old son, Jacob, for a, and, I, and I have, like, air quotes here for dessert. Um, like I, like I say on other shows, I'm doing my part for COVID-19. I'm not going to go to the gym for this foreseeable future. Uh, and, and I got to make sure that I'm compensating for that by not overeating. And one great way to do that is to have a built bar. They're freaking delicious. They're, they taste like candy. In fact, today I had the German chocolate cake. It tastes amazing and delicious. Now I never had a real German chocolate cake before. I've had the shot called German chocolate cake, but never tasted an actual German chocolate cake. So I assume that they're as amazing and delicious as this was because it blew my mind. Every bar is covered in 100% chocolate. This one had 170 calories, 18 grams of protein, 7 grams of fiber, and only 4 grams of sugar. They're gluten-free, no preservatives, and have all-natural flavorings. They're satisfying, satiating, so delicious. Check them out on Twitter at bar underscore built. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on and you'll save $10 on your first order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Yeah, and maybe I'm just uh, uh, more familiar with Forsyth's name being an Oregon native and hearing his name around Westland and around the Portland metro area. Uh, it seems like he's been with the program for a long time, too. Definitely mm. someone to be trusted. You mentioned he has a lot of experience along just all the interior of the offensive line. Uh, maybe we see him shuffled around left and right guard, uh, or perhaps he becomes the permanent center. Uh, who knows, especially because uh, walk the, just the, the difference between uh, Walk, and we'll get into uh, Jeremillo as well as, as a name that's been talked about for the future of that center position. But uh, obviously... Forsyth's a, a, a big name in the program. He made the wide, wise decision of, of picking Oregon over Washington, just as you made the right decision of picking Go Ducks' word over, over Ruth Robbins' word. So uh, I can't say good enough things about Alex Forsyth. Yeah, and you mentioned Brian Walk, and I want to talk about him next, simply because uh, he was slated to be taking first-team reps at center. And at 6'2", 290 pounds, he's another local boy from Sheldon High School. Uh, didn't have a, a composite ranking on this guy, but uh, the UO, UO Athletics uh, website, uh, goducks.com, said he was coached by Lane Johnson, and the only reason I 
point this out is because I'm an Eagles fan, and this is notably not the right tackle, like future Hall of Famer for the Eagles, which would be kind of awesome, but Lane Johnson, award-winning name there. In 2017, uh, Ryan redshirted, and then in 2018, played in five games at the center position, and last season, he appeared in four games. Yeah, I mean, uh, another junior, another Oregon native, uh, Ryan Walk, and and you mentioned that uh, he's sort of uh, the at least slated or expected to be the heir apparent. Uh, different things could have happened throughout. Who knows what could have happened throughout the rest of spring practice. Um, uh, definitely, I think there's just a whole wealth of interior linemen when we when we talk so much about Penny Stool uh, on at the tackle position and, and how strong we expect to be in that in that regard. Uh, as much as we may be unsure about whether it's Walk or Forsyth or even the young Jeremillo, uh, uh, it's it'll be interesting to see those guys kind of rotate around. But I don't think we should be afraid of that kind of uh, unknown within the interior of the offensive line, we should be excited at the fact that there's so much versatility and so much competition at the, at those positions. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Dawson Jaramello and really a, just another local boy, sophomore, six foot five, 312 pounds. Now, he bulked up uh, when he entered high school. He was 265, gained 30 pounds, left high school at 295. And of course, now on GoDucks.com, his, uh, we'll call it his uh, build height and weight, 6'5", 312, was a four-star composite ranking. Now, I do want to remind listeners that the reason I like this 24-7 sports composite ranking, and then when I, when I call out a nationwide ranking or a, a, a positional ranking, 24-7 sports uses an amalgam of all uh, uh, relevant rankings, whether it's Rivals, ESPN, and other places. So so I like the composite ranking because it gives us an idea of where everybody's placing him. He was the uh, 14th best offensive tackle in the nation, but here he's labeled as a center. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to address that, but he was on the All-State team his final year of high school, had offers from Washington, California, Notre Dame, UCLA, TCU, and Virginia, enrolled at Oregon, uh, summer 2018 and redshirted that year. And then last season, he was injured during fall practice. And uh, Cristobal called it pretty significant, and he didn't actually play. So uh, I kind of want to know where that's going. Also, definitely the best mullet on this offensive line, if not on the entire Oregon Ducks roster. 100%. And, and like just Dawson, his energy, his personality, uh, we haven't seen him on the field, but... I can already tell I'm going to be excited about this guy. I'm excited already. Uh, he's, a, he's a blast. I think like we talk about Forsyth and Walk maybe getting shuffled around those other interior spots based on injury or need or what have you, or just experience. So we, we keep going back to the abridged offseason. But uh, I think it would be so incredible if Dawson Jeremillo is ready to go, battle back from his injury, and if Mario Cristobal could get himself a redshirt sophomore into significant time at the center position and possibly like a three to two and a half year starter at that position, that kind of veteran leadership could be incredible, especially if he was to come up alongside Shuck. Their kind of their chemistry, that would be just it, it, it I'm getting excited just thinking about it. And I'm sure Mario Cristobal does too. Uh, it'll just be a matter of whether or not he can really uh, bounce back significantly from that uh, injury. 
I, I love it. Really looking forward to the the development there. And I think it's a really good point about develop, not only developing al- uh, alongside Chuck, but being a, in a leadership role two to three years from now when we won't have, you know, the Panay Sewells uh, uh, of the world to, to guide this offensive line. I mean, leadership and experience has been a huge part of what's made Oregon great on the offensive line. And, uh, He's definitely going to make it happen. Uh, but before we get going on them, I do want to talk about centers and guards coach and essentially the offensive line coach, Alex Maribel. A lot of credit to Coach Cristobal, right? We've talked about what an offensive line-minded this individual is as he was on that championship Miami Hurricanes team and in the 90s. Check out the April 29th episode of Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena. She interviewed Alex Mirabal. First, the first two segments are my breakdown of uh, Shane Lemieux. So obviously, listen to that. But she interviews C- Coach Mirabal in the third segment of that episode, and then uh, she picks it up again in the following day's episode. It's a really good look into Coach Mirabal's arrival at Oregon. I don't want to spoil it for you, but he talks about what it was like to be a brand new coach with such an experienced offensive line before the University of Oregon. Uh, he coached the the Marshall Thundering Herd, five seasons, 44 and 22 record, four and 0 in, in, in bowl games, and is they were among the best offenses in college football. In fact, at GoDucks.com, I, I love this statistic: Oregon and Marshall were the only offenses in 2014 to be in the top 12 in scoring offense, rushing yards, and passing yards. And I think that's huge and speaks to what he brings to this game. Before that, he was an assistant head coach at Florida International University for six years. In fact, he's responsible for recruiting Logan Sagapolu, uh, a guard who we're not really going to address today. Uh, I do, uh, James, why don't you tell us some of this news about uh, Sagapolu? Yeah, so Sagapolu was a twenty uh, nineteen commit, and uh, uh, he's a member of the LDS faith. And so as many uh, high schoolers that are part of that faith uh, do, he was committed to going on a two-year mission trip uh, that would go in between his graduation from high school and before uh, any sort of college was to occur. And the Oregon staff was 100% behind that decision. Uh, Because of all the corona of it all, uh, a lot of, if not all of those mission trips were uh, canceled or postponed, and, and many of those missionaries were called back, uh, including Sagapolu. And, and a lot of the stories that I've read online have said that he has confirmed that he's returned home, uh, but it is not clear right now. No one, at least nothing that I've read, has said confirmed he will be part of this 2020 class or if he will uh, either find another way to serve uh, as a missionary or still plan on enrolling in 2021 as he was originally slated to. Yeah, and I, th- I just think it's really important to mention him, and I really appreciate the background there because uh, he he would be a very important piece of this offensive line after we are done breaking down the the depth chart for every position and and position group for the 2020 season, we're going to go into the 2021 class and we're going to go into some more detail about Sagapolu. But uh, enough on that. I've, I've, I've delayed enough. All right. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and I'm with James Voss from jamesvoss.net. And uh, before we get going on the rest of the offensive line, I do want you to check in. I mean, don't do it right now, but go ahead and uh, after the show, check in with our other great Locked On podcasts. 
NHL, NBA, NFL, MLB, college, draft, everything sports. Locked On is your go-to for daily info updates and analysis on every team, every day. So, I'm talking the offensive line with James Voss. We just finished talking about the center. We're going to go ahead and move to the right guard position. The biggest loss in depth this offseason. Huge shoes to fill, but lots of shoes to fill. Let's talk about TJ Bass, uh, slated for the right guard position. He's a junior, six foot four, 320 pounds. Now here we go again with our, our our build height and shoot 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 height. He's listed as six foot five and three hundred and five on huddle, and twenty four seven sports has him at six five and three hundred and fifteen. And uh, Butte.edu, uh, where we'll we'll talk about that in a second, has him at six foot five three fifteen. But again, we're going with six four three twenty. Uh, GoDucks.com. He's a three star composite recruit from Mount Baker High School in Deming, Washington. Now. The, the 21st ranked overall junior college athlete and the number one guard coming out of junior college. What, what a great pickup. I, I, I want to hear your opinion on that in just a second. He had offers from UCLA, Auburn, uh, Arizona State. He enrolled at the, the University of Oregon January th- this year, uh, transferred from Butte College, as I mentioned, played tackle there and has a chance to develop at a variety of positions, but is also ready to start. Yeah, and uh, this is another, uh, just like uh, Amavai Lalu, uh, it's another JC transfer and uh, someone who has college ball experience that can step in right away. Reasonable to expect that he will be in that guard that uh, guard position right away. It, it's interesting, we talked about Sagapolu even, uh, Mirabal and Cristobal have stepped into recruiting their recruiting process how they're building what their future offensive line looks like to fit their vision of what the offense as a whole looks like uh and and these juco transfers happen to be very timely for the circumstances of the offseason but it's going to be very interesting to see if that continues we'll probably see a combination as as most great programs do a combination of recruiting prime highly rated the best uh junior college offensive linemen in the country uh, along with three, four, five-star offensive linemen, highly touted recruits as well, like Sagapolu, like Dawson Jaramillo, uh, find that perfect balance of experience that can play right away, as well as just the hot, raw talent that Cristobal and Mirabal can mold into their dream offensive line. One of these days, we're going to have to do a show on what an outstanding recruitment program this university has. They have a, a whole process approach to recruiting. And I love the way you just outlined it right there. Uh, but, but that is for another time. Next up, I want to talk about freshman, Jonathan Dennis, six foot three, 285 pounds. So yeah, maybe got some growth to do here. Four star composite recruit from South Dade high school in Homestead, Florida had offers from Auburn, Miami, Florida, Florida state, Georgia, LSU, among dozens of others, but all SEC uh, uh, Bayou schools, as I, I like to call them sometimes. He enrolled at the University of Oregon, same thing, this last January, and uh, was the number 14 guard in the nation, according to 24-7 composite rankings. So, again, that's that's a, 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 an amalgam of, of all rankings. Really like that high placement. According to Huddle, a 5.03.40 time, a 4.7 shuttle time, 28 bench press reps, and a 445 squat. This guy is strong as heck. I watched some of his tape. He uses his strength and burst to get under and just dominate larger defenders. Yeah, undersized, as you mentioned, but 
absolutely has that raw strength, that 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 kind of workhorse. Aaron Feld is going to love this guy in the weight room. Uh, this year, while there's so much uh, junior college talent and, and other talent uh, along the interior of the offensive line, this year will probably be, probably be a very developmental scout team year for Dennis. Uh, but that's just a four-star is just like it, it's what Mario Cristobal came here to bring in. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, excited to see him add a couple pounds, but maintain that that strength and that raw power. And uh, uh, Aaron Feld's gonna have a field day with him. One more uh, guard, uh, sophomore Devin Lewis, five foot eleven, which that that popped off the page at me. We'll probably talk mm-hmm. about that in a second. Three hundred and thirty-four pounds. Huddle <laughs> had him as six foot one and three forty. So. 5'11", 6'1". I wish I could have that kind of growth spurt. He didn't have a rating. Uh, He did go to Warren Easton High School in New Orleans and uh, was a high school team captain. Love that kind of leadership ability. That speaks to that. The tale of the tape was, the uh, when I watch this guy, he uses his size. I I mean, he's mat like whether he's 5'11 or 6'2", he's like a refrigerator. And Mm -hmm. he just pancakes guys by mauling them. Runs... You know, and I just have like a bunch of adjectives here uh, through, over, on, <laughs> like uh, just runs over defenders. Complete, like when the play's over, he's laying on top of someone. It's, he's just, ah. Anyway, 2018, red shirted. I actually really look forward to this guy, uh, uh, Devin Lewis. Yeah, I, obviously small. I called him or short, not not small by any by any means, but possibly one on the shorter side of the offensive line, depending on uh, uh, where you're getting your numbers from. But I called him an absolute human fire hydrant in my in yes. my blog, and I mean that as a term of endearment. I would pay good money to see him and Jordan Scott go up against each other. I don't know how often he <laughs> sees the first team defensive line, but in 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 practice. I would pay good money to to watch him uh, uh, try to put something against Jordan Scott because uh, I think those two would go at it. Moving on to the right tackle position, I do want to start with Stephen Jones, a redshirt sophomore, 6'7", 349 pounds. This guy started high school at six foot three and three fifteen. That is one heck of a growth spurt. Four-star recruit from uh, Chaparral High School in Temecula, California. He played tackle and guard in high school. Rated the 246th best athlete in the country and the 10th best guard. He had offers from, among others, Utah, TCU, UCLA, Louisville. He enrolled in Oregon in June of 2018. Now, he played in five games as a true freshman, started at left tackle versus Utah, and uh, I believe it was the game, like November 8th, I think. Uh, PFF had him rated as the top tackle in the, the Pac-12 that week and had no penalties or sacks when he was on the line. Last season, he played in four games. If we didn't already have a guy like Penny Sewell over on the left tackle position, Stephen Jones is the primary size. Even He's got one inch and about 15, maybe even 20 pounds on Penny. Uh, depending on how this quarantine has gone for him. But he would be a prime left tackle position, a prime left tackle size. Incredible that we're going to have him on, playing on the opposite side of Penne. I, I can't wait to see him manhandle, punch down at undersized uh, uh, edge rushers and and really just put them in their place. It's going to be so good. I love what Mir- uh, Mirabal and Cristobal are doing with the offensive line. Chris Rendazzo, uh, sophomore, 6'6", 348. Uh, again, 325 coming out of high school, 
Now, he had some huddle stats that I'm going to talk about, which are Nike Plus verified. I don't know if that's like carries weight with anybody, but they have him at 6'7". But I think once you're 6'6", like, okay, you squeeze an inch on me. Okay, fair. Mm-hmm. Three-star recruit from Don Lugo in Chino, California. So he had a huddle combine uh, of uh, 5'6", 5'40", a 5'16", shuttle time, a, almost a 23-inch vert. 25 bench press reps and squat of 460 pounds. This is a strong, big man. Had offers from Arizona State, Washington State, Utah, Fresno State. Uh, enrolled in, in Oregon in June of 2018, where he redshirted that year. And then last season, he did make an appearance in one game. I read that he also battled injury last year uh, yeah. throughout being th- in the developmental scout team. Uh, work of it all and uh, he looks and appears to be healthy coming into 2020 and uh, uh, he'll most likely it's it's hard to not be behind Stephen Jones at least in just pure like size you look at it uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and no one would blame you for for maybe being second string to, to a guy like that but uh, I, I, I hope to see him grow a lot more and uh, see if he finds his way out in the field maybe the, the seventh or eighth position uh seventh or eighth in the rotation would be uh interesting spot for him as a young guy i i I like that they have these uh men waiting in the wings who are big and talented and have an opportunity to show what they can do whether it's on the d squad or or even filling in during uh garbage time or uh, uh, god forbid uh injuries but uh last but certainly not least Redshirt freshman Cole Young, six foot five, three hundred and twenty pounds. Again, there's there's no uh, composite rating for this kid uh, from Bellevue High School in Washington, nicknamed the Bear. <laughs> uh, he was a two way player in high school, played defensive tackle and uh, a tackle. As a D, as as a D tackle, he had thirty four tackles and one and a half sacks. And I like this stat: his high school team averaged three hundred and thirty six plus rushing yards per game when he was on the offensive line, which speaks to what we may be seeing this Oregon offense uh, developing into. Yeah, and obviously he's still a young guy, uh, no no pun intended, but it, it, <laughs> it'll be cool to uh, see him learn from such a seasoned group ahead of him. I don't, I don't have much to say about Cole Young, but uh, there's there's a lot to be learned from the wealth of experience that comes from a guy with so much national attention like Penny Sewell, as well as guys that have been grinding uh, within the program, either behind the scenes or uh, well-known, like a name like Alex Forsyth. And even the JUCO guys come in with a whole host of, of different football experience, roster experience, teammate experience uh, that, that can really teach guys like Randazzo and Young and, and Jeremy Miller, who who we'll probably see a lot more time than either of those two, but uh, just, just a diversity of of this group. uh, This is probably the most unknown position group within the Oregon program right now uh, is really exciting to see how they'll kind of become a melting pot together and teach each other. It's an incredible spread of experience and skill. And I think it speaks volumes about the the recruiting that they're doing. And I think that Oregon fans, all of you listeners, should be really happy about, uh, really pleased with where we're going moving on. We began this entire offensive line segment by talking about huge shoes to fill with the number of offensive linemen who went on to 
to literally sign contracts in the NFL. It's phenomenal. And I think that we're going to, this is, this is going to become the new norm. It's, uh, it's not the exception. It's going to become the rule. Uh, that's been it for now with, uh, the, the offensive line with James Voss of jamesvoss.net. I do want to let you know that on Monday, we have McCormick Mondays. We're doing a what if scenarios. So go ahead and, um, send in some input. I do want to know what you listeners think we should talk about for what ifs and historical counterfactuals. Basketball is going to be on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, We are going to be analyzing the turnover going into the 2020 season. Obviously, we've had uh, uh, some gaps or big shoes to fill with Peyton Pritchard going out. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about how uh, we're going to have at least two two players have to fill uh, his one uh, uh, set of shoes. Wednesdays and Fridays are going to be uh, more James Voss from jamesvoss.net and analyzing the defensive line and linebackers uh, next. Continue breaking down and, and forming a foundation for the 2020 season. Go ahead and read his blog. Uh, I keep repeating it, so you'll check it out, jamesvoss.net, so you can see what uh, he's writing before we talk about it. And uh, as always, I'm your host, Jordan Long. You can always follow me on Twitter at the Dust Off Guy. You can follow Locked On Ducks at Locked On Ducks. Remember, we're your daily source of info, updates, and analysis on Oregon Ducks football and basketball. I do want to know what you thought about our offensive line breakdown. Who, who do you think should start? Was our depth chart what you thought it should be? Also, get those questions in for next week's What If Scenarios. Use the hashtags AskLodPod on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook at Locked on Ducks. We have a Facebook page. And you can always email me, LockedOnDucks at gmail.com. We include it all in our listener spotlight segments. Click subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts at. And that's the best way to get the newest content the minute it's available. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do leave five out of five stars review. If you don't think I deserve five stars, go ahead and leave five anyway. Or if you don't think James gets five stars, leave five anyway. And uh, just tell me why in a show review, and and we'll fix it for you. This is the People's Podcast. This is uh, all predicated upon you having fun. I'm having fun. We want to do this listener spotlight stuff. So go ahead and send in those show reviews. That's it for Locked On Ducks. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NFL Draft, basically breaking down the entire 2020 NFL Draft team by team. And they have special guest hosts from around the network. So if you want to know what you think of, you know, the Chargers drafting Justin Herbert, you can listen to uh, this podcast from a couple weeks ago, or you can go to Locked On Chargers and listen to that. Uh, but especially Locked On NFL Draft, they talk about it. Just say, hey, she who shall not be named, play podcast Locked On NFL Draft. Have a great day. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And please remember to find ways to be happy during these crazy times. Some of you are in states that are still on lockdown. Some of you are in states where you're going outside. So whatever you're doing, find joy in it. Thank you. I love y'all. And go Ducks. Go Ducks.